Today, I want to share with you about from Matthew chapter 25 about kingdom of God being about the least and the most unloved, right? That God calls us and puts a burden on us to show extraordinary hospitality and love and care for those who are the most vulnerable, those who are the most weak, those who are the most oppressed, those who are the who, who, who are most sidelined and marginalized in community. Over and over again, you see that taking place. So I'm going to read uh, Matthew 25 for you. But just before we jump into the text, I want you to know a little bit, uh, get a bit of context. Matthew 24 and 25 is pushing into the end. It's okay, we can be be on the Matthew 25 slide. Matthew 24 and 25 is pushing into the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew has gone through uh, 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 chronicling the life and ministry of Jesus and we are at this point near his betrayal, near that Passion Week. And Jesus is talking about end times things. So in the midst of talking about end times things, starting in 24, on the, the, I, I, you could probably say the first, the first kind of like narration that kicks this off is when he talks about how um, when it happens, when the end times happens, that it will take place very suddenly and it will happen in such a way that two men will be out working in the field and one will be taken. Two women will be working, grinding the mill, and one will be taken. And so you already see from very early on a separation between those whom God is taking with him and those who God will not, right? And so two men, one will be taken. Two women, one will be taken. Then he tells a story of, um, of, of, the, uh, of, of the ten virgins. Okay, and so five were prepared with oil, five were not. Again, another form of distinguishment between different peoples. It starts with two men, then it goes to two women, and the call there is to be ready. Don't be not ready, don't be in slumber, don't be lost in your own world, but be ready constantly. And then he says, ten virgins, five and then he talks about uh, uh, about the the servants right because he's in the, in the story of the of the of the talents right he, he gives one talent two talents and five talents to three different servants and then he goes away but really the context of that is that he comes back and so this is about the end times he comes back and when he comes back he separates from him the servant who yielded fruit and the servant who yielded nothing. So there is again another kind of separation and that snowballs into what we're going to see here in Matthew 25. But just so we have it in context, readiness and watchfulness for God's return is very, very important. Fruitfulness and being able to yield a harvest for the Lord is very, very important right? Having the right preparation is going to be very, very important. And then we see one more, if you can, I don't know if we can use the word criteria, but one more attribute of those whom God will commend. You're going to see it in this text. Matthew 25 verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one 
from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Now, by the way, shepherds are known to, to go out herding with their sheep and goats mingling together. Um, but, but it's quite supposedly quite common for a shepherd when they bring the sheep and the goats back that they separate them when they lie down to sleep. I'm not sure why um, they've got different uh, uh, um, uh, habits when they get home, even though they've got uh, the same feeding uh, pasture. Now, verse 33, he will put the sheep on his right, he will put the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, now this is not sheep and this is not goats, these are people. These are people. And he is using the metaphor of sheep and goats, right? But these are actual people. The king will say to the people on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, just before we click on from this, I want you to, uh, I want to arrest your mind. Uh, I want the text to arrest your mind and for you to see what is really happening here. Son of man comes in his glory. Angels are with him. He sits on a glorious throne. This is this is big deal, right? This is big deal. And now all the nations, all the nations will be gathered before him. That means everybody, right? All nations means everywhere. All ethnos, okay? That's the Greek word. All the ethnos, all the ethnicities will be gathered. And then from that total number, he will start to separate them. And when he separates them, then he says, come into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, the question you should be asking yourself is, is this the same kingdom as the kingdom of God that, that is on earth as it is in heaven? Because now it seems like he's inviting them into something. It sounds like it's something new, right? Is this a different kingdom? Are there two kingdoms? But then Jesus also said, a kingdom divided is against itself, cannot stand. So is this one? Is this two? Maybe I can help you see it this way. The kingdom of God, that has already been inaugurated in our midst is being completed. That's why Jesus says that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. I believe, and I believe more texts will show you, um, that this kingdom that, that, that Jesus is, in, that is in, inviting you to inherit is the fully realized kingdom of God that right now is in the process of being realized. So we live in the now and the not yet. We live in the now and the not yet. The realities of the kingdom are present and active and real. But the fullness of the kingdom is not yet. Now, in Matthew 25 verse 34, Jesus is then inviting you into the full expression of the kingdom of God. Okay, there's only one kingdom of God. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, verse 35. For, so, so, so he's inviting some of them in. And what's the basis for his invitation for some of them in? He says this, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you, in, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry 
and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And verse 40 is the key verse. Jesus says this, next slide. And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. Let me read this one more time. And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Wow, verse 41, let's see the response. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's not, that's not what you want to hear, right? Nobody wants to hear that. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or without clothes, or sick, or in prison, and didn't help you? Wow, you can almost hear the indignance coming up like, Where God? Where God? Verse 45, very similar, it's a parallel. Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And that, my friends, is one of the expressions of how God will separate all the nations at the end of time. Friends, when I read this, I asked myself, as you should ask yourself, where is salvation by faith through grace alone? I don't see it. Doesn't mean it's not true. Doesn't mean it's not there. The whole Bible teaches one thing. And then different parts of the Bible teach you different layers of that one thing. And I was reading this and I was thinking, where is salvation by faith through grace alone? I know it's there. I know it's there in Romans, so it's true. And I, and I, and I hold on to it. I absolutely believe that I am saved not out of my, not out of my law-keeping. I'm saved, not, not, not that I ever could. I'm saved by grace. It is a gift from God. I couldn't have earned it. Um, and I know because I'm a wreck, right? I, 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 I know I could not have saved, found salvation for myself and, and earned it. I know I couldn't. And that's why we say, I didn't, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away, right? Now, we sing these songs. We know these things. And then we see something like Matthew 25. But then some days it's just a little bit weird. I don't see it here. What appears to be the criteria by which Jesus uses to separate? He doesn't do an, an, an interview. You know, some of our neighbors here in Malaysia, they believe that when they die, you know, um, there'll be two angels who will come to them. And then those two angels will interview them, ask them a few questions. You know, and one of the questions is, who is your Lord or who is your prophet, right? And, and they will ask them a few of these questions. Now, now, fair go, right? In many traditions, that might very well be what 
is the vision for how we are separated at the end of time. But it appears here that one of the layers, at the very least, one of the layers is that he wants to see how you treated him. And then the people will say, yeah, 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 I treat you good. Well, I go to church, I worship you, I go to church. Well, and then some people will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I uh, 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 heal the sick? Didn't I do all these things, you know? And they say, yeah, yeah, you stood there, you prayed, you know, you did a whole bunch of things. Some of them very charismatic things, some of them not so charismatic things. That's not the point. The point is, when I was sick, you didn't come to me to visit with me, to hold my hand, to show me love. When I was in prison, you didn't come bringing food you didn't, uh, 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 and to feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. And it turns out that some of these things, in the end, are actually some of the things that Jesus is going to say. These are the things that's going to separate. I don't know how to deal with Matthew 25, honestly. But we have to deal with Matthew 25. We have to deal with it. And so today I want to, I've, I've been dealing with it. And today I want to help us all to walk through it, right? So I want to show you the first point. I'll show you the first point. In God's kingdom, we are the kind, we are kind to the least and unloved. Everybody say this with me, even in your own homes. In God's kingdom, we are kind to the least and unloved. We are kind to the least and unloved, right? Why? Because the criteria, one of the, I don't, I'm going to stop using the word criteria. The attributes of those in the kingdom and those who are invited into the fullness of his kingdom are these, right? When I was hungry, you fed me. Next slide. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was sick, you took care of me. When I was in prison, you visited me. This, by the way, is what first century life was like for many people. You go around, you travel, you're hungry, people give you food, right? Um, they didn't have e-wallets. You can't just walk around and say, oh, I have no cash, but I can still, you know, I can still access food very easily, right? Uh, often you need, the, you depend on the hospitality of others for you to survive, especially if you're traveling, right? If you're hungry and thirsty, you depend on someone to nourish you. Right? And when you're a stranger and you're left outside the city walls, when you're a stranger, you make your way in, but you have to sleep in the city square. And often it gets cold and naked doesn't mean like the lanjang maximum naked. Naked means that when you lack clothes, right? When it's cold and at night it's cold. You gave me clothes to wear. Like, like you, you, you gave me your tunic. You gave me your cloak. You helped keep me warm. And then when you're sick, you took care of me. You know, ancients, like, like when they are in prison, people can visit them. That's why when Paul was in prison, his, you see a lot of his, in a lot of his letters, you see him talking to his, his disciples, you know, his followers, and they will come and visit with him. Why? To bring food, to bring encouragement, to bring letters, and so on, right? And so now, how do we contextualize all these things to a modern day, right? Now, now, be, to be sure, we don't open our doors and invite any homeless person in, right? Because that may turn out to be very unsafe for your family, right? Um, we don't, we don't, prisons are, are, are structured a bit differently right now. And you can't even bring, go to a prison to bring food for someone, for example. You can't do the, some of these things. But what is the heart of God beneath this? You know, I, this is my favorite 
my favorite piece of scripture uh, to share with Connect teams, right? And Andros will know this because I've shared this with the Connect team a million times uh, uh, from the days of The Verge, right? And then for surveys, I used to share this as well, right? Jesus will walk into our church. Disguised and masquerading as any old unloved and least person. And he'll take a temperature reading. And this is not just for connecting. This is for the whole church. And this is not just for church. This is for your home. This is for your workplace. This is for your community group. This is for you when you are passing by here and there. Jesus will encounter you just about anyhow, disguising so to speak, disguising so to speak as the least and least loved and he will take a temperature reading and you'll say, this is my church. This is my church. I, when, when I'm here, I feel the warmth. I feel the love. I feel that I receive their love. I receive their love. See, at the end of the day, what we, are, what we are seeing, one of the layers in Matthew 25 that we can see is that there is a relationship between how you treat people and how you treat Jesus. And he somehow stands in between and says that, that how you treated them, he, he stands in between and he says that I received how you treated them. Really? Wow, that's quite something. Let's explore this for just a little moment, right? Let's look at the next slide. Because... In, uh, in, in, in numerous places, in Hebrews 13, it says, let, let, let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember those in prison, as though you were in prison with them. And remember those who are mistreated, as though you yourselves were suffering bodily, Right? And so, even the writer of Hebrews is expressing this exact same sentiment. Show hospitality with, uh, uh, be generous with your hospitality. Let your brotherly love continue and let it overflow, right? Why? Because in showing hospitality, who knows if you have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it? You know, when I hang around you guys, it's quite, it's not difficult for me to know who I am seeing, right? And I know that in a supernatural way, if I treat you guys well, I'm treating the Lord himself well. He receives it, right? And if I'm shabby with y'all, I'm shabby with Jesus. And, and I know that. But you know, back in um, the main church, uh, when we used to have uh, um, like three services, four services, and, we're at, and as pastors, we'll show up early, you know, we'll go through the crowd, we'll meet visitors, we'll shake their hands, and we'll do all those things. And so many, I've shaken hands with so many people whom I never met ever again in my life. There were people who were passing through. There were people who said, oh yeah, no, I'm just here uh, 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 from the States. Oh, I'm from Thailand. I just came back, that came down and after this, I'm going to UK. Now I met so many people like this. They were just really so sentient. They came in, they dropped into SIBKL and then they moved on. Nobody in our church knows them. Nobody in our church ever followed up with them, right? So, so sometimes some of them, they don't, ever fill, they don't fill up a welcome card. Nobody knows anything about them. And then I read a text like Hebrews 13 verse 1 2. I'm like, huh, who knows if I literally 
<laughs> literally, right? Because there is a there is a symbolic way in which I've hosted angels and hosted the Lord through loving your well. But I believe that there may even have been times where I've literally welcomed angels as guests in, in the main church, you know, or even here among some of you who, 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 who we never know, right? As guests without knowing it. Who knows? And it's not just it's not just in the context of hospitality in a in, in a in a traditional sense. I want to show you Matthew chapter ten, right? See the next see the next uh, uh, page, and this sentiment goes throughout. Jesus says this Matthew ten verse forty: the one who welcomes you welcomes me, and the one who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. Right. So if you welcome those whom Jesus sends, you vicariously welcome the Father in heaven. John 13, truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send, receives me. And the one who receives me, receives him who sent me. Exactly the same idea. And then, so, so Matthew 10, Matthew 13 speaks of people whom God sends. Okay, so, so, so you see one there. But it's not just people whom God sends. Matthew 18 speaks of this. Whoever welcomes one child like this in my name, welcomes me. So it's children as well. You welcome children well, Jesus says, it's as if you welcome me well. And there's one more that I want to show you. This is the reverse. Remember in the book of Acts, chapter 9, Paul, then known as Saul, is persecuting the church. He's going from town to town. He's dragging out believers in Jesus of Jesus Christ. And he's subjecting them to all kinds of torture, imprisonment, and oppression. And then on the road to Damascus, he's struck by a bright light and a voice comes and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, my Lord, who are you? And the voice says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. You see the same idea? You see the same idea? You treat, G you treat the least among you well, you treat the, the apostles and the disciples and the evangelists well. You treat the little children well. You treat the least among you well. You treat Jesus well. But when you treat the people of God, when you treat anybody, when you treat them poorly, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you rude to me? Why are you, why are you crass with me? That's how it is in the kingdom of God. Don't be too scared. He gives us a heart. He gives us a renewed heart to treat one another in love. And so, let's contextualize this a little bit. When you're hungry, you gave me food. When you're thirsty, you gave me something to drink, right? Next slide. Church, there's going to be many days. Sorry, just one slide before this, yeah. There's going to be many days in which we are going to be to come face to face with people who, 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 who are considered the least among us. And I've shared this in many other places, so I will not belabor this for long. But in your own workplaces, who would you consider those who are hungry? Maybe not physically hungry. Maybe they're hungry to learn. Maybe they're hungry for experience. Maybe they're really mong cha cha and they're lost. Who among them is thirsty? Maybe we use the expression thirsty for people who are thirsty for attention, you know, a bit, a bit LOA, right? But can you see the heart behind it? 
that maybe they've never had anyone really acknowledge them or validate them or show them the attention and care and love that they've been longing for. And that's why they go around, they're a little LOA, they're annoying. And then you say that, wow, this guy's so thirsty, annoying, right? Who among you, not just in your workplaces, but maybe even in your neighborhoods, comes off a bit like a stranger, not really fitting in. Maybe even in church, maybe sometimes especially in church. A stranger, not fitting in. Different, looks different, sounds different, acts different, everything's different. And then typically, we don't treat them well. You know, when I was in Form 3, uh, we had this boy, a um, uh, uh, new kid in school, right? And, and I mean, I, I, I come from a medium small size school um, but most schools in Moa were around around that size form 3 there was form 3 A B C D right and then there was a then there was a special form 3 class so there were five form 3 classes um, and only a handful of us were the English speaking crowd right um, so so me and a group of friends and there was this new boy um, Punjabi boy um, he, he he joined our uh, he joined my class and for some reason um, uh, he reminded me of some other friends I had in the past Okay, so I felt like I could kind of, I, I could become friends with this boy. But then everybody made fun of him. Okay, everybody made fun of him. So, so um, it wasn't entire, it, it was partly racist. Um, it was partly just a physical appearance. Um, uh, he didn't keep a, 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 a turban, though he was a Punjabi boy. But he had, he, 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 he was, he had, he had a lot of fine, kind of like goldish colored hair on his, on his arms. It's totally normal. Like, look, you grow up, you realize that, oh my gosh, I was such an absolute jerk, right? And the boys in my class just made fun of him, called him all kinds of names and mocked him and mocked him. And you know what? You know what? I've, I really, I've stood before the Lord and asked for forgiveness for this before. But I made fun of him too. And then when it's just me and him, I try to reach out as a friend. But when I was with that gang, I also made fun of him. And when I share this with you now, it is with a mixture of shame because of how much I may have hurt this guy and mixture also of thankfulness because Jesus would forgive a jerk like me. And, and in many ways, I know, I know very clearly that that could have been Jesus. And in many symbolic ways, it was. He was a stranger and we did not take him in. We did not receive him. He came from another town. He, was a, he probably had to leave his friends. He probably had to leave a lot of things that he loved. He probably had to leave a home that he loved. And here he was, from tree, trying to fit in, in a new town, new school. And we made fun of him until, you know what, one day, he changed school. He told his parents he couldn't take it and he changed school. And that left a really strong mark on me. And you know what? Church, we are not in school. Most of us are not in school anymore. So those of us who have grown up. But there are new people walking into your workplaces all the time. There are new people working into our church, walking into our church all the time. When, when new people walk in, let's find a way to contextualize the groups of people Jesus talks about here. Right? And I know there are people who need aid. There are always people who need aid. And then some people justify not doing, giving aid by saying, oh, didn't the Bible say uh, the poor you will always have with you? You know, no need one. <laughs> no, that's not the point. That's not the point. When there is a need to give aid, we give aid. Sometimes it's not easy when you give aid. 
I I put my name down as a listing uh, for for kita uh, kita jaga app and and boom like like between December and January mid week two I think I got something like forty people texting me every day you know um and I could only give so many at that time. I could only lie on so many at a time. And then I quickly took down my listing. I was like, oh my gosh, that was a bit naive, right? To put my, my phone number in the listing, took it down. And for a month after that, somehow they were just passing their numbers around each other. Or I don't know what was happening. Though my listing was gone, I still kept getting fresh requests. And then there were many days when I would, I would, I would send uh, uh, aid. Um, by the way, it's not my personal money, right? I'm, I'm just doing this, you know, because we've got an aid fund and I'm doing this on behalf of church. So I put it through first and then I claim it back, right? So so this is not me tooting my own horn. Um, so what, but you know, when, when you, you try to make a transfer and then, you know, the bank takes like a day to, to, to send. And and so there were many days when I would uh, I would get back all these texts like, um, saya, di, saya sekarang diri di ATM, duit masih tada. I'm like, dude, dude, I just sent it. It's not going to show. I'm so sorry. Tunggu hari Isnin, tunggu besok, you know, something. And and then like, okay, 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 takpe. And then like half an hour later, masih tada, masih tada. And literally, I 20 texts, 30 texts, pe different people constantly coming back. Every time I do one round, I will get back almost like, 70-80% will come back and say, tak ada lagi, tak ada lagi, tak ada lagi. And, and then after it reflects already, two weeks later, three weeks later, the phone calls start coming back in. You know, they will call and they will call and they will call. And then if I don't answer, they will leave texts like long, long, long texts like, 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 sikit lagi lah, sikit lagi lah, boss, sikit lagi lah. And, and sometimes you can, you give. Sometimes it's hard, you know. And I'm sharing, why am I sharing with you all some of these stories? It's because showing love hospitality, generosity comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. It's not, it's not meant to be a walk in the park. It's not meant to be a walk in the park. Guess what? You think their life is a walk in the park? Their life is far worse. There's nothing. There's no part of this that's meant to be a walk in the park. It comes at a small encumbrance to us. And then we share stories with each other so that we're not too naive and we don't, you know, uh, um, get sucked down rabbit holes, you know, and then we, we, we learn from each other how to make sure that we check them out to make sure that we're not giving to people who are scamming us, you know, and, and all these things are real. But you know what? Of course, it will come at some cost. Life has dealt them a huge, a, a much worse cost, you know, that they are currently paying for whatever, whatever they are going through, right? And so, nonetheless, Jesus says, you treat these fellas well. You treat me well. You treat me well. You know, let me move on. Let me move on. The first point was this. In God's kingdom, we are kind to the least and unloved. The second point is this. In God's kingdom, we are kind to the least and unloved across all people groups. Across all people groups. I want to share with you my little journey and experience preparing for today's sermon. So um, across this past week, um, as, I, as I was starting to gear myself up and, re and frame my head around Matthew 25 to preach it, to prepare for it, I started to read it and then take notes and then you know, think about it, pray about it, and then go into some biblical commentaries. Right? And when I went into the commentaries, as I usually do um, when I prepare for a sermon, I was expecting um, the commentaries to spend time on spend the most time on uh, verse 40 
whatever I, you did to the least among uh, these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. And I was expecting, it's okay, we can hold on this. Um, I was expecting most of the biblical commentators to talk about the relationship between what we do for people and how Jesus receives that on their behalf as well. I was expecting a lot of commentary on that. And it didn't, I, I did not predict that many, so you won't believe it, my friends, so many commentaries that I looked at spent majority of their column widths talking about who are the brothers and sisters that is talked about here. Really? Next slide. Oh, frankly, I was not very impressed. I was like, why? Why are you picking a book? Next slide. Yeah, let's, let, let's click. Um, maybe it's a little jam. There's no worries. Verse 40. And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, right? You did it for me. This is from the CSB translation, Christian Standard Bible. Um, it's a translation I've been reading a little bit more alongside my ESV. Um, if you read your ESV or your even, um, I believe NIV says, brothers and sisters, some will say brothers, but the Greek word is adelphos and it is ungendered, okay? Uh, so adelphos is an ungendered expression and so some of the more current translations will express it as brothers and sisters. It's fine. It's fine. And then, I started to read the commentaries and then some of the people were saying that adelphos here only refers to the apostles, meaning that how you treat the apostles that Jesus sends is how you treat Jesus. Oh, really? That's how you read this. I didn't read it that way. I read it as all the poor people outside your doorstep, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Say some, some commentators. This because, and then they bring you back to the Matthew 10 and the, and the John 13 one. And they say, oh, because this comports with this. That's why. And I'm like, okay, yeah. That is talking about the people Jesus sends. I, I don't see this one as people Jesus sends. It's just saying the least among you. Right? Okay, fine. I read some other commentaries. Some say that it is Israel. I'm like, huh? Where you get this Israel? It's not in the text. And then you read the commentaries. They say that, oh, because all the nations will be gathered. And the nations is the different ethnos. And then ethnos often refers to Gentiles. So one of these commentators, actually a few of these commentators are saying that all of the Gentile world will be held accountable to how they treated the Israel, uh, uh, the, uh, the Israelites. I'm like, really? That's what you got from this text? How many of you, when you read this, you got that, right? I don't think, I don't think we got that. I mean, like, we, we love Israel, we pray for Israel, and I, I assure you that if you treat Israel well, you know, God will, God, God will receive it, and if you treat Israel poorly, God will also receive it. But guess what? Same for everybody else, okay? But never mind, that's the discussion here, right? Some people say that this refers only to Israel. And then the burden for treating each other well is the non-Israelites, the rest of the Gentile world. By, by the way, that includes us. And then some others say, no, it refers to Christians. So if you treat Christians well, then God will bless you. If you don't treat Christians, no way lah. No way lah. No way lah. And then some say it's Christians and Jews, right? You know why no way for me? Because the rest of Matthew 24 and 25 speaks to to, not about, not just about, speaks to those who are supposed to be believers and speaks to them about how they should be. So you see that 
He says in chapter 24, you should be as believers of Yahweh, as believers of Jesus, be ready at all times. You must have the oil with you. You must have extra oil with you. You must be ready for the return of your groom. You must be. Why? You are the church. You are the bride. Let's be ready for the return of God. You are, you, you are the ones whom God puts uh, uh, um, resources uh, uh, toward so that you steward this well. You steward the lives who walk into your church well. Steward the lives who walk into your cell group well. Steward the these things well yield a return he's talking to his stewards he's talking to his welcome team he's talking to his church he's talking to his cell group so no he's not talking uh, to, to non-believers saying that if you treat my christians well that's not what he's saying he's saying any vulnerable person falls under brothers and sisters of mine and then you say, no more brothers, ma, Adelphos, strictly speaking, means exactly how we use the expression brother or bro or sis today. So sometimes we say brother to refer to our physical brother, right? My family, there's six children, I have one brother, right? That's how we use the word brother. Sometimes we use brother to mean like a really close friend, right? Like, wow, me and Pastor Ramesh, like he's my bro, right? So, so, so we can use brother that way, right? And then sometimes we use brothers just to mean any generic guy out there, right? Like you, you may say that, wow, I was visiting the church uh, um, in workplace at the river. Our brothers there, you know, are really growing in the Lord, right? You can use brother that way, right? To, 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 to show some kind of mutual kind of like thing. And then you can even say that, wow, I was over at Chowkit, man, brothers there are tough, man. <laughs> yeah, right? And, you can, and, and guess what? Adelphos, I was reading the Greek defini the, the definition. It actually covers every single way. It's almost like an exact imprint of the English word bro or sis, right? Like, like it literally means all of those things. So it's got a wide semantic range, right? And so, so, so which one, right? You want to pick the, the most narrow one and say that and say that, oh, it's so narrow, therefore we only need to treat these people well. Other people no need to treat well. Jesus don't care. Or you want to read it broad and say that, no, Jesus asks us to treat everybody well because Jesus will care. And I started to look at all these commentaries and I started thinking, by the way, I'm not, I'm not dissing commentaries. Huh? Every Sunday, I still go back. Every Sunday, I still go back to commentaries. Every Friday, I still go back to it. And if you don't have a good study Bible, I encourage you to get one. I've got three study Bibles. Um, if you don't have good commentaries, I encourage you to read. There are free commentaries online. Go read them. It's very, very good. You know, um, just know one thing. Commentaries is a little bit like reading the news. You know, different commentaries have different voices, different, different um, theological positions on things. So, I, for example, I've, my first study Bible was a John MacArthur. My second study Bible was a John MacArthur study Bible. It was only later that I discovered that he's a cessationist. He doesn't believe in science wonders and all this kind of thing. So, so, so if you read the notes there, then okay, like you read, just know what you're reading, you know, and then you grab, you know, you can have a Zondervan spirit filled study Bible just for balance or something like that, right? But read different views. And when I read some of these views, I just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to abstain from agreeing with you on some of these views. Why? Why? Let me show you why. Let me show you why. Next slide. Luke 10, Jesus says this. By the way, the context of Luke 10 is when I started reading all these commentaries and I started seeing all these people say, wait, let's define who is brothers. Why you want to define who's brothers? 
you know, shouldn't you take the broadest definition? No, let's define who's brothers because if we can define who are the brothers, then I guess we know exactly which people group Jesus is saying we will be held accountable to, right? Because if you treat this group well, good on you, right? So we want to know who is this group. And you know what? Frankly, it reeks a little bit of the story of the Good Samaritan law. A little bit law. Because in, in Luke chapter 10, one of, one of the people quizzing Jesus was a lawyer and he asked Jesus, after Jesus said the Shema, right? He said, uh, uh, you shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. And then this guy, wishing to justify himself, that's how the Bible calls it, right? He says, who's my neighbour? Why? Why do you want to know who's your neighbour? I want to know who's my neighbour so that I'm supposed to love my neighbour as I love myself, so I want to know who's neighbour. So I love those guys, right? Other people, not my neighbour. I don't owe them a duty to love law. And then later in Romans chapter 14, you all heard already, oh no, oh no one, any debt except for the debt to love. Oh, everybody a debt to love. So actually, frankly, even that should settle it. But you know what? Jesus went ahead and told the story of a man, Jew, story of a Jew, was walking, fell, fell on the robbers, left for dead by the roadside, and then a priest walks by, sees him, walks past. And then a teacher of the law walks by, sees the guy, a Levite, sees him, and then walks past. Why? I don't know. I frankly don't know. Maybe they were going to church and they were late for their call time. And then the Samaritan comes. The Samaritan is an enemy. Hated. In all, some of those commentaries that I read wouldn't have qualified for brothers and sisters. The Samaritan comes, picks him up, nurses him back to health. When I was hungry, you fed me when I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I was in prison, you came and visited with me. And when I was, a, when I was naked, you clothed me. Stranger, you took me in, right? Exactly. Samaritan did all of those things. Put him in an inn. Left extra money there. Gout him all his expenses. Not enough? Charge it to me. I'll come back. And then Jesus says in verse 36, which one of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour? Or if I may swing it back to Matthew 25, which three of these proved to be brother and sister, Adelphos, to the man who fell among the robbers? All these guys, Boikiasi can answer. He said, um, I suppose the one who showed mercy can't even, don't even have, don't even have the moral gumption to say the Samaritan. The one who showed mercy. Jesus said, yeah, you go and do likewise. He didn't even say yes. He said, you go and do likewise. Your own words, your own words convict you. So my friends, is there a need to bicker about what, who is the brothers and sisters? Frankly, no law, right? Let's click, see you next slide. Because I want to show you all this. Yeah, the next slide. And the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, whatever you did to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Who? We have to decide. You want to show love to everybody? Or you want to show love only to a select group of people? Your favourite group of people? The most favoured in the Bible? The most favoured in your culture? The most favoured on this land? The most favoured whatever it is? Or do you define this in the broadest terms? If you define it in the broadest terms, I tell you at the end of the day, when Jesus really sits on that throne 
and he defines it in the broadest terms, you'll be okay, one. Huh? If you define it narrow and Jesus actually defines it broad, you're stuffed. But even then, your decision making should not be to hedge your bets. It shouldn't be. It should be, it should be driven by love, and which is, and on this note, third point. And we're closing very soon. Third point is very short. One more click. You know, in God's kingdom, he wants us to be kind to the least and unloved. He wants us to be kind to the least and unloved across all people groups. And finally, he wants us to be kind to the least and unloved across all people groups without purposely, consciously contriving it as if we are doing it because I know this is the criteria to get separated as sheep. So I purposely do law. I find out what is the criteria. I, 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 got, the, I got the test paper. I know, oh, so this is what Jesus is going to test me on. My love for the poor. Then I do the love for the poor law, right? Right? Isn't that how you pass tests? No. No. That's not how you pass this test. You don't consciously contrive it. That's not what he wants. That's not. I, let me show you. Just let me show you and I'm going to close with it. There is an element of surprise. And that's why I love so much. There's always an Every time Jesus talks about the end times, there is an element of surprise. Don't you notice that? Two men working in a field, bang. One is taken by Jesus. Two women grinding at a mill, bang, one of them. Do you know which one? Maybe you'll be surprised which one. Bang, one of them right? And then the five virgins who didn't bring the, the oil, surprise, oh, what? Oh, no. I, what? You mean I was expected to, to wait so long? You mean I was expected to? Element of surprise. And then the, the, the servants who had, to, who had to invest their talents, huh? You mean what? The expectation was that I will grow this? No, I, I thought the expectation is that you're a hard man. And all I wanted was to secure it and make sure I don't lose it. So I buried it in the ground. What you mean I've got expectation to multiply it? Element of surprise. Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons, do all of these things, kajang, kajang, run altar call, run this thing, run rally, run all these things? And then some of the people in that oh, big group are going to say, didn't we do all these things? And then Jesus says, you didn't do my will. I'm not dissing all that, okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying, right? It's always an element of surprise. Oh my gosh, taken for, taken for, oh my word. What, you mean the tax collectors and prostitutes are lining up ahead of me to enter the kingdom of, what? Why? Because when you consciously contrive to game the, to game the system, when you consciously contrive to win the game, he tells you, you did it with the wrong motives. And you go stand all the way there. Why? Let's look at the response of the sheep. Next slide. Because those who are truly righteous will be surprised by the blessing owner. When the righteous will answer, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, I know you just told us you're separating us for blessing. And that's a good thing, by the way. It's a good thing. Okay? So these sheep are both A, relief, happy, joyful, but they're also surprised. When? I, I, I know you, you told us that we, we, we gave you food when you were hungry, but I, honestly, 
That never happened. You told us that we gave you drink when you were thirsty, but really, when? I never, never happened. When did you see a stranger? We, when did we see you as a stranger and take you in? I took a lot of other strangers, but I never took you in. I clothed a lot of other people. I never clothed you. I visited a lot of sick people or people in prison. I never visited you. When did we see you? Do you know what you see here? The people who do acts of righteousness, they are not conscious that, oh, if I do this, uh, it's Jesus. Way. Yeah, I can score brownie points. Way. Let's do this. Yeah. No. No. A good tree will bear good fruit. Full stop. When you're a good tree, you do good fruits. You do good things. You, 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 when God has transformed you, you just will act like a transformed person. When God has redeemed you and saved you, your life will show for it. It just does. You're not even conscious about it. And if you have to purposely and intentionally contrive it, I don't think you're really redeemed yet. Because you're still trying to game the system and win the game. You're still trying to find, turn to the back page and try to see the clues or try to see the answers. Flip the book upside down. Oh, okay. Now let me win the game. No. No. And I really genuinely believe that many people who think that they've gamed the system will be utterly surprised. And many people who go about quietly just doing good works and their good works are in evidence. Good works is the fruit. You want to know whether the tree is a good tree? Just look at the fruit. That's what Jesus says. Look at the fruit. You're not judged by your fruit, but the fruit is the evidence. You're judged by whether you're a good tree or a bad tree and how you become a good tree or a bad tree. Jesus transforms you. You put yourself into his hands and you are, con you, you, you are transformed by him, conformed to him. And that's where the way you live your life is you live daily in allegiance to him. And that also is a manifestation, a sign that you, are, you belong to him. And my friends, Let's not purposely try to go and find ways just to go to are calculating. If I help, if I buy chicken rice for this uh, uh, beggar, Jesus receives it. And then he will say, you are sheep. Okay. I buy chicken rice for this. That's not how it works. You'll be naturally moved. You see a homeless guy, you just, hey, poof, know how, when was his last meal? Huh? Give me five minutes, I'll go buy something. Just let it come naturally. It has to come naturally. We don't contrive. Man, because we are con con conformed to Christ. We are transformed into his likeness. And so, my friends, I'm closing now. And if you have your communion emblems at home with you, I want us to partake of communion together. Why? Because at the heart of all of this, at the heart of all of this, we are all made flesh and blood. And Jesus came, left his co-eternity with the Father. And whatever you may describe as what it means to be the second person of the Trinity, the Word of God, and came to take on flesh just like us, to become 
so simple, so, so humble, so broken, so everything, just like us. Not just Christians. Huh? He says he causes the rain and sun to fall on the just and the righteous equal. So everybody shares in the humanity that Jesus shared. He, Jesus shared in everyone's humanity. And in so doing, one day his body truly was broken. Broken how? Broken on a cross. Broken why? Because he desires that none perish. Broken to what ends? So that all who believe in him shall have eternal life and not perish. My friends, that body that Jesus, that body that Jesus had, which was broken for us, it's broken for everyone. If all would believe, we get to partake in it. So my friends, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for your body broken. We thank you that you unite us. You unite us from one loaf broken so that everyone can hold one piece, so to speak. And we hold in our hands that which unites us in suffering. It unites us in humanity. It unites us in empathy and sympathy for the lost. It unites us in a shared suffering with everyone who is suffering, not just Christians everyone who suffers, we share the same suffering because we are human people and this body was broken for all so that none shall perish but all have eternal life. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God. Help us as we partake of this bread to remember you and to remember those who are hurting outside our doorsteps. In Jesus' name, let us partake of this bread. After supper had ended, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this, meaning whatever you're going to do next, do this as often as you gather, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the cup. We thank you for the cup of the covenant that will last forever. That in partaking of this cup, we come into covenant with you. We are renewing vows this morning, church. Let us not take this lightly. We come back into a covenant with you to say, Lord, we shall be your people. We shall give you our full loyalty. Just like the people of God cut covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and 31, they cut covenant and say, yes, me. Who will serve the Lord? Yes, me. Who will choose blessings? Yes, me. Who will choose life? Yes, me. Today, we hold this cup as an evidence of us choosing life, blessings. And who will serve the Lord? As we hold this cup, yes, me. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for this new covenant, for the power of the blood, for the power of the Holy Spirit. Transform us from deep within us so that we can love others with the same love that you gave to us.
we can love others with it. And in so doing, truly love you, love neighbor, and love ourselves. In Jesus' name, let us partake of this cup. Hallelujah, Lord. You know, church, today, I want you to walk out of this service with fresh eyes. Fresh eyes to see people who are in need around you. Sometimes when we think about people in need, we think about the most downtrodden. We think, for example, about someone who's homeless, live, sleeping on a cardboard box. And then you look around your surroundings and say, don't have ma. So your conclusion is, don't have law. Not true. Not true. Among all of us, there will be someone who's a stranger. Among all of us, there'll be someone who lacks something. Among all of us, there will be someone who is imprisoned to some kind of trouble, some kind of past, some kind of sin, some kind of guilt, some kind of addiction, something. And that's why Jesus said, I've come. Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set captives free, to declare the year of the Lord's favour. Go visit those who are in prison and set captives free. There will be one, my friends. We just need to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and feet that can carry the gospel, the good news to all of them. Not just some, not just some altar call prayer, but the good news is that someone loves them. And that's good news, that someone loves them. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you shalom. And all of God's people shout aloud, Amen. Amen. Let's praise God. Let's praise God in this house. Amen.